everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with a Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, we have an extra special guest from the diamond industry. We have Rebecca Forster. She is the president of Alarosa North America. We discuss all things diamonds, where the future of the industry is headed, and all about the importance of education and transparency in the diamond business. Check it out. Welcome to Closing Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, we're sitting here with Rebecca Forrester. She is the president of North America for Alrosa, the largest diamond mining company in the world. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to talk to an industry leader and get your insights on all things diamonds. Um, how did you begin your career? How did you break into the diamond industry? Um, so actually, I started my career uh, in marketing um, and in the cosmetic and fragrance industry where branding and product differentiation, you know, is, is really an important thing. And when I um, was there, I was recruited by um, a company, which is the largest uh, wedding band company in North America called Frederick Goldman, who realized that if they didn't start branding, that they were going to have a problem in terms of um, differentiating themselves and creating value for their customers, because basically a wedding band is metal and maybe some <laughs> diamonds. And other than that, all you do is compete on price. So uh, they felt that the skill set you know, needed for cosmetics and fragrances, where you create a dream in a bottle, um, would what person who was in that industry would bring different type of skills to to the jewelry industry. This was back in the early 90s. Um, and so uh, I started a whole marketing department for them, explained to them the importance of uh, branding and marketing. We created a whole portfolio of products. And basically, that's how my career was launched. Awesome. So from branding the wedding bands, how did you get to where you are now? Uh, basically just, uh, you know, be becoming known in the industry and evolving with different job opportunities. Um, while jewelry was interesting, uh, the next big job I had was actually working for Rio Tinto, which is the third largest mm -hmm. uh, diamond mining company. It's the largest mining company, but the diamond segment is much smaller than De Beers and El Rosa. And I found that I really loved being at the helm of the supply chain, uh, where it all starts, where the rough becomes polished, where you're seeing really the journey of the diamond and what goes into that, and particularly the, the people and the communities that diamond mining um, help all over the world, that without diamond mining, they would have no livelihood, no education, uh, really no no sustainability for, for, you know, good life. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's kind of, you know, now why it's so exciting and interesting to be the president of Diamonds Do Good, because we actually, um, our mission is to give back to those communities through our charitable uh, offerings to our beneficiaries, but also to educate consumers about this very important diamond journey and what makes natural diamonds so special and I always say the diamond is just a manifestation of the story because the inherent value in a natural diamond is so rich 
and so important. Um, so we need to kind of share that with everybody. Definitely. And how do you respond when people often uninformed have negative perceptions of the diamond industry? Well, I don't, I don't get defensive about it. And I think, you know, any industry has its wrongdoings and every industry uh, over time, you know, if they're going to survive improves and, and understands the need to do things in a slightly different way. There, there was a big period of time where, you know, the whole blood diamond thing became, you know, the only thing that we heard about which caused a lot of the industry to not even want to talk about anything and mm -hmm. just kind of shied away from it. I think that that was a big mistake. I think uh, it was important to talk about it and recognize that it was bad and that we needed to improve ourselves and talk about, you know, the Kimberly process, talk about the World Diamond Council, talk about the Responsible Jewelry Council and all the things that probably pushed us even more aggressively to go down this road um, of sustainability and ethical mining and origin sourcing and all of these things. And so now um, those are the stories that have to be shouted out and told and, and so that the consumer can judge for themselves, you know, when they want to spend money on a high-end luxury product is a diamond really the place to do it? And when they know about, you know, a lot of the background story and the journey of this diamond, it does help them to realize that they're not just buying something to add luxury to their life, but they're actually doing something that's good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our customers come to us and ask, how can you ensure that this natural diamond is ethically sourced, is conflict free? Um, do you mind kind of walking us through those practices like the Kimberly process and all of the, you know, things the industry has put in place to ensure this for the consumer? Yeah. So, I mean, there, you know, if you if this is something that is important to you, there are many ways that you can uh, ensure that your diamond is coming from a good place. The Kimberly process, um, you know, was very important uh, in the whole diamond journey and certainly um, you know, you should not be dealing with anybody that's not part of the Kimberly process. That's first of all. Second of all, obviously certification is important to a certain level to guarantee that what you're getting is really what you're getting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there are many reputable labs that will provide that kind of documentation, not only about the four C's, but also what we call sort of the fifth C, which is community and where your diamond came from. Mm -hmm. So whether it's GIA or um, other labs, people are much more um, involved in tracking the diamond, tracing the origin of the diamond. In some cases, you not only know the country that it came from, but you could also learn the actual mine that mm -hmm. it came from. Uh, and we're using all kinds of blockchain technology Alrosa just came out with nano tracing, which is actually a microchip that's put into every diamond. It's uh, you cannot see it with the naked eye. It's almost like a little QR code mm -hmm. uh, that, when scanned, actually shows you the whole path of of wow. that diamond. So every year, there's a new and advanced technology that's providing what we believe you know consumers are looking for uh, as that guarantee. Awesome, and. Besides um, 
the new technology, what are some other initiatives um, natural diamond mining companies like Alrosa have put into place and how do you communicate these efforts to the end consumer? Yeah, so I mean, Alrosa, as the largest diamond mining company in the world, gives back more revenue than any mining company to the communities in which we mine. And is that mainly in Russia? So we have 12 mines in an area called Yakutia, which is actually the Siberia part of Russia, right near the Arctic Circle. Uh, and there we have uh, communities of, of workers and families that without the diamond mining um, opportunity would really not have uh, healthcare, education, culture, uh, and all these things that Al Rosa gives back money to provide. Mm -hmm. uh, we give back to over 500 charities there, charitable causes, which also includes a, a National Wild Wildlife Foundation, because it's important to maintain the land and the the um, the life there as it is um, and preserve that, mm -hmm. uh, because mining companies today when the life of the mine is over, at, as much as important it is in uh, excavating the mine, creating the mine, it's also equally important that when the life of that mine is over, that it goes back to its original state. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, everything in that environment has to be in balance. So there's a lot of things that you know are really important. Um, and um, we try to tell these stories through our CSR uh, programs and policies. We do a really good job of it. I think on our website, um, we talk about it at, with the industry so that they know who we are, that it's part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. And we feel that it makes our diamonds and what we're bringing out from the ground there even more valuable and more important. Awesome. How can like an end consumer, if they were looking specifically for an Alrosa diamond, know that that's what they were getting, or how can they seek that out? Um, so Alrosa has a unique thing because we actually mine and cut and polish all of our diamonds in Russia. Oh, wow. So we have a very straight traceability path. Uh, when I sell polished diamonds in my office to my customers, whether they're wholesalers or demonteurs or retailers, uh, I can actually provide them with a certificate of that of that journey mm -hmm. uh, and a guarantee that those are indeed um, diamonds from El Rosa in Russia. Awesome. Um, and then in terms of the hot topic of lab-grown diamonds, this has been something for the past couple of years that have become more prominent in the industry. Customers want to know what is the difference between a lab-grown and a natural diamond and how can they make an informed decision on which um, to go with? Mm -hmm. um, what do you tell people? So I think, you know, in life, everybody has a choice and <laughs> should have a choice. And <laughs> there are certain values that are more important to uh, some people than others. Um, there's, you know, lab grown has it has a story. I mean, it is uh, it is something that is man made in a laboratory. Um, you know, it has been cleared to be a the same as a diamond that comes from the mine in terms of its physical composition and most of its properties and what it looks like. The piece that's missing is the piece that we just talked about, mm -hmm. which is the story about the people mm -hmm. and what lab, what mine diamonds bring to our world, whether it's in Botswana, the Northwest Territories, Russia, um, and many other places ar around the globe. 
uh, lab-grown diamonds are made in, in a laboratory, in a factory. So if your value is about buying something that's going to do good for people, if your value is about wanting to have something from the ground that is a billion years old and is a gift from Mother Nature, uh, then natural diamonds seem to make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, other than that, th there's always dispute and discussion about really which one is giving back more to the, to the earth. Um, I'm not here to negative sell lab grown, but, you know, to me, there's a little bit less romance or less human element to a lab grown diamond. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. I mean, there are people that just want a big stone and they can't afford it. Mm hmm. And so they're willing to forego all that and get their real stone and they can stay. It's, you know, the FTC said it was a diamond. Mm -hmm. So I think that's such an interesting perspective because I think a lot of people from what they read and how they're marketed, they feel that, you know, the lab grown diamond is actually the one that is like more ethical and helping people more than the natural. So this is a story and a perspective that I think isn't covered enough. Yeah. And again, that's a result of blood diamond and being yeah. afraid to really open up that river or open up that dam and start talking about it because, you know, there have been a lot of uh, points in history where people who were in the mining industry were not treated properly. But mm -hmm. I think with the way we've evolved and all of the checks and balances, that that's not really the case. You know, it's the exception. Mm -hmm. um, so... I always say, you know, the most important difference between a natural diamond and a lab-grown diamond is the stories behind that diamond, the journey of that diamond, and the inherent value of that diamond. Yeah. The inherent value is all the good that it does around the world, but also the fact that it does have an intrinsic value. Um, so you can trade it up, you can do things with it. And it also has an important, I think, legacy component. Mm -hmm. um, you know, leaving it to your family. It becomes sort of a talisman of sorts where people can say, you know, I wore it and it's been in the family for generations. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that Lab Grown has that same sort of romantic, emotional component. Yep, definitely. Um... There's just something about having, you know, a stone that was created in the earth, which makes it so special and rare. Yeah. And there's also the rarity factor. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically, you know, certain types of diamonds are extremely rare. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the natural colored stones, uh, fluorescent stones. I mean, there's a lot of diamonds that, you know, are are extremely rare. And I know Alvarosa actually, they work with a lot of stones with fluorescence, right? Yes. Another thing that I think has a bit of a bad rap. Um, do you mind like explaining, you know, what fluorescence is and why um, you guys work with so many? Of them? Yeah. So, you know, because our diamonds come from Yakucho or this area near the Arctic Circle where the permafrost is uh, really important and the geology uh, sort of lends itself to production with a lot of fluorescence. So mm -hmm. about 80% of our production has some form of fluorescence. And about um, like 30% of all diamonds have some level of fluorescence, you'd say? So um, if, if you look at uh, diamonds that are really uh, detectable with fluorescence would be from medium to mm -hmm. very strong, it's only about 6% of the world's production. Mm -hmm. 
So it, there is a rarity story there. Mm -hmm. And we decided as the largest diamond mining company to take a leadership position in fluorescence and start to change the perception and educate consumers and more importantly, the trade who created this negative perception about the beauty and the rarity of fluorescence. The reality is, is that there's nothing wrong with these stones. It is a natural gift. It comes from mother nature. It's not, doesn't do anything to the structure of the diamond. It's just all based on nitrogen that's captured within that uh, baby diamond as it's growing and as it's forming and more nitrogen couples with more nitrogen. And before you know it, in particular, our diamonds, it has the most beautiful blue glow that you can imagine. And um, at one point in time, they were very popular, you know, back in the 80s mm -hmm. when there was discos and people were going to nightclubs <laughs> with UV light. And that was kind of the cool thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was a whole pricing thing where they felt that, um, you know, they should uh, temper down the demand and sort of, you know, make them undesirable. And it was totally industry self-created to a point where the diamonds have become so discounted that dealers can't even sell them without losing money. Mm -hmm. So in the past two years, we've taken on this initiative where we've educated um, the trade uh, through various publications, uh, and we've actually launched a consumer-facing brand called Luminous Diamonds, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be in the better independent jewelers around the country, uh, which feature these fluorescent stones in beautiful mapped patterns within the fashion jewelry that it becomes almost like your hidden secret you know what i've seen some people do in pieces of jewelry they'll actually like map out like certain stones that are fluorescent in like necklaces or bracelets that like spell out a word or have yes. like a secret meaning so you can only see it you can do under that the too UV light. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so we say it's like follow your inner light mm -hmm. you know for to remind women that every woman is unique and special and that she has this inner glow and this inner aura um, that, you know, you should always remember your, your inner beauty, not just your outer beauty. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so, so our goal, our, our way of doing that was educating the industry and then creating this consumer facing brand to hope to create overall more demand for this category of diamonds. It's very cool. Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York City. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y for free shipping on any purchase. And the woman's inner glow, I think that's a great um, transition to um, some questions I have just about you as a woman in this male-dominated industry. So many people may not know that the diamond industry is like heavily male-dominated, especially in positions of power in large companies. Um, how does it feel to be, you know, a senior woman in this male-dominated industry? Um, obviously, it's uh, it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's very special. Um, I've I've stayed in it because I realized I could add value and a new perspective, which I think is always important. Um, you know, it's always a challenge, I guess, Mo more so 
as a woman because of the balancing that you have to do between family and relationships and work. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of my achievements and I'm very happy to always be a mentor, uh, whether it's for the Women's Jewelry Association or whatever, to try and, you know, provide guidance and learning that, that I've had along the way. I think it's a lot easier now than when I started. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly I, I get respect and people hear my voice. I think, um, you know, if you have something important to say that can add value, people, people will listen. Mm -hmm. And what were some things you learned from women leaders before that you apply to your work now? Uh, again, I think, you know, uh, for me, it was always, I was lucky I had quite a few mentors who understood the balance of family and, and work. And I think that that's, you know, an important um, formula for happiness and um, reward and a comp feeling of accomplishment. Um, and also just to, to be yourself and to have a voice uh, and to present yourself equally, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so... For some people, it's hard. You know, you have to. You have to really, when you walk into the workplace and you're here to, to do your job and to be a a mentor or a leader, you have to sometimes just make sure that you kind of put a lot of that personal stuff behind and and focus on the job. It's not always easy. Women, uh, women have a think a better time at compartmentalizing things. So I think that helps us a lot. Where mm -hmm. men sort of it, they just kind of maybe sometimes don't deal with it because it all kind of meshes together, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any specific, um, you know, tips that you would give uh, to a young woman trying to start her own business or trying to make her mark in a male-dominated industry or the jewelry industry? Yeah, so I think um, my recommendation would be, first of all, um, just look at yourself as a competent person who has value to add um, don't necessarily it, it's going to come up you're going to feel it but don't always have that top of mind mm -hmm. i think you want to start to fit in as just a person who has competency and you know can do the job mm -hmm. um, second of all i think it's important to find those good mentors who can be your sounding board if you have certain issues that you want to discuss uh, it's important that you choose them wisely. You don't really want to air a lot of things to just random people. And how would you go about choosing a mentor? Sometimes it can be difficult to navigate or make that connection with someone. Um, I think, well, you know, for, for young women in the jewelry industry, the Women's Jewelry Association has a, an excellent mentoring program. Uh, GIA has a good mentoring program. There are definitely resources, and more and more of them now as the industry sort of rallies around the issue of diversity. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely resources to where you can um, actually find some. Sometimes it also comes from your university. They mm -hmm. have um, some mentorship programs for alumni. Mm -hmm. uh, I participated in one of those from my, you know from my university and helped a young lady. Um, and um, and then um, so so that's important. And then also I think it's also important to listen and to learn and to absorb mm -hmm. um, none of us know everything and as you go up the ladder you know you you grow gradually you, you're taking in bits of information and you're experiencing things that help you over time formulate who you're going to be 
-hmm. I think you need to take that time. I think it's really important. Um, and I think also it's very important to, to win wars and lose battles. You're never going to win everything. Mm -hmm. And if you stop and think about it before you react, a lot of things are really irrelevant to the outcome. So um, that's something that one of my mentors taught me that I carry with me all the time, not only in business relationships, but also in personal relationships. That's an awesome piece of advice. It's totally true. Um, pick your battles, right? <laughs> what you want to win. 100%. Mm -hmm. So my battles for the industry are uh, pretty much uh, you know, to make sure that the message about natural diamonds is understood and is available for people to read about and to learn about. Hence, you know, the importance of my role as president of Diamonds Do Good. Mm -hmm. It's an honor really to represent this somewhat small organization who has become really so powerful over the past 20 years, particularly in the last few years, um, where we've sort of created this momentum about the importance of telling these stories where people are actually using our slogan, diamonds do good, or mm -hmm. diamonds are good for business. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's flattering to hear people finally pick up that slogan and, and the name of, of who we are. So, um, you know, that's really uh, a big part of my mission. Mm -hmm. And of course, also to represent Al Rosa to make sure that everybody understands what an amazing company it is and all the wonderful things that we do to give back to the world. Definitely. And I think, you know, from when my parents were in the industry to now, like the diamond industry is changing so much. The consumer is changing so much and there's so many exciting things happening. What do you see and what are you excited about for the future in the industry? So I think, um, you know, I think in every bad has good. I think COVID created a new lifeline for the diamond industry. I think uh, I was not that surprised because in 2008, when we had an economic crisis, the same thing happened where oh, really? symbolic jewelry and diamond jewelry became very important and uh, had a big place in people's lives. You know, sometimes we've lost that emotional connection to a diamond by becoming too scientific with too many certifications and too many measurements and kind of took out that emotional and fun experience of connecting with a piece of jewelry or, or a diamond. And I think COVID, because people were so sort of scared, isolated, unsure of their financial situation, a diamond took on this meaning of sort of um, this emotional connection to something that had been around for a long time in, in, in the earth, that's something that meant love and security and safety uh, that could be uh, an important part of a portfolio when we didn't know what was happening financially, you know, a, a legacy piece of sorts, and just a feel-good item. And I think um, it kind of put us back in a different position um, as, as an industry where we became relevant again and consumers were connecting to us. And I think it's our obligation now to continue to make sure that they connect to us, whether it's what you guys are doing here by providing a much more customized one-on-one -on -one service uh, with education and transparency, whether it's the designers, you know, continuing to wow us with new designs of symbolism and relevant um, messaging, 
whether it's Al Rosa, who's bringing forth uh, almost a new category of diamonds called fluorescence, which have this visual wow factor. Um, so, so I think, you know, it's just opened us up to a feeling of more confidence about the industry, one of um, thinking a little bit outside the box and, and knowing that we want to continue this upward swing and growth uh, kind of will push us, I think, to a little bit more innovation and a little bit more enhancement of that customer journey and experience. And also digitally, I mean, COVID absolutely pushed the industry yeah. into a new phase of online, you know, sophistication and digital communication that would have never happened mm -hmm. if we hadn't been forced to do that. Yep, definitely. And so do you see like the future moving more and more online? And it was, I, I've noticed because the industry in general is like a little bit more behind digitally. And this kind of gave it a bit more of like a push. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, people would have, you know, not not existed if they hadn't advanced themselves into into, you know, their website and digital. Because um... I remember even when I was in GIA, like not that long ago, our professor was like, oh, I can't imagine people buying a diamond online without seeing it in person but now i feel like people the consumer is way more comfortable and it's something that everyone in the industry has to like get behind yeah i mean i think uh you'll always have people that still want the brick and mortar and to touch and feel before they buy mm -hmm. but i think the combination and the omni-channel experience is almost mandatory mm -hmm. for any business to grow and to really um exceed because there's an expectation now and you know with virtual try on and all kinds of um things that you can do um yeah i just i just think that that's going to become the norm yeah for sure and you spoke a little bit about jewelry having you know that sentimental feeling of like love and security and we all have pieces of jewelry that you know have an extra special meaning to us do you have any pieces that you know are extra special or sentimental to you yeah, so I, I tell the same story a lot, but I have a pair of diamond studs. They're about um, half a carat each, which is not very large, but... Uh, Great everyday size. <laughs> they, were, they were given to me by my dad mm -hmm. uh, when I was about uh, 12 years old because I just wanted to get my ears pierced, and my parents were not big into that. And so uh, it was a big day, you know, when finally... My father said, okay, come on, let's go get your ears pierced and presented me with these diamond studs. And of course he's no longer here. So I pretty much wear them every day. Mm -hmm. um, wow, still. Yeah, every day, you know, along with other, yeah. uh, so along with other um, earrings together, but yeah, they're just, um, they're really important, you know, oh. and they always will be. It's sort of a piece of him that stays with me. And I remember that argument and that, you know, <laughs> finally I, I, I did win that that <laughs> war of, you know, saying I really wanted to have that. So amazing. And what's next for, you know, Al Rosa and Diamonds Do Good? What are like some exciting projects that you're working on that we can anticipate seeing? Yeah, so Al Rosa, I mean, obviously the Luminous Diamonds brand is something that uh, we're very um, excited about and we see tremendous acceptance and excitement from the industry too. Uh, we'll be in 50 
uh, doors for this holiday season, which is a big accomplishment in a short period of time. And we continue to bring new brands and offerings to the market uh, to keep that excitement uh, about diamonds with the consumer. Um, and of course, we continue to improve what we do all the time with our corporate social responsibility um, and, and uh, you know, transparency about the journey of the diamond. And diamonds do good. We have so many new initiatives. Uh, we have a new bracelet competition coming out where, where we will be launching our new symbolic bracelet of our mission. Uh, we have new beneficiaries that we'll be giving charity to this year. Um, we have uh, a lot of global gatherings planned. Uh, we're collaborating a lot with some of the other industry bodies and organizations because I do, I'm a big believer in one plus one equals three mm -hmm. and we're a very fragmented industry and it's time that we all kind of get together and try to fix things and have a louder voice together as opposed to doing it separately and, and not really um, sharing each other's mission and journey. Mm -hmm. So. So there's a lot happening, very busy, but all good things Amazing. and very exciting. Yeah. And so where can people like follow um, these new initiatives and new uh, brands that are coming out? Where can they like check it out? So I encourage everybody to look on diamondsdogood.com website. There's a lot of learning there. Um, and I think you'll find a lot of the stories very compelling and very um, important to how you feel about natural diamonds, uh, and um, I, I think it'll it'll help you make your decision when it comes time to to purchasing a diamond. When now today we have choice, and certainly to learn more about Alrosa, alrosa.com, you'll see all of the wonderful things that we do, the give back charities, and how we really help the communities of that part of the world. So. Amazing. Well, this was such an awesome conversation. I'm so happy we were able to meet and have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. by. Thank you. It's always fun for me to share my passion and to try to bring a little bit more information to whoever's listening. Um, so yeah, I really do appreciate it. And thank you for your interest in Diamonds Do Good. And um, I wish you all the best. Your offices are beautiful. And <laughs> thank you. I hope you have a very successful, long future here with this. Thank you. That was such an inspirational conversation. I loved the opportunity to be able to sit down with Rebecca. She is someone that is so senior and so prominent in our industry. And it's such a treat to be able to talk about my favorite thing, diamonds. What did you guys think? Let us know.